Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Rem and Sam podcast back again. Another weekday edition. Nets Knicks in the background right now in a timeout. It's a solo episode today of the Rem and Sam podcast. We've been lucky enough for the NFL season to have been joined by our guy Ian Fadaport on these weekday episodes. And unfortunately, our guy Fadaport had to call in sick today. I don't know if it was something that he ate or something that he saw in the playoff games this weekend. He didn't say exactly. He didn't say why he was sick with, but he is out for this week. And we do have an episode that we're going to do this week. We're going to keep it short and sweet. Pause all that. And we're, we'll, we'll be joined with Fatport next week. We'll be joined with Sam for the Friday Rem and Sam podcast. And I should say, just in general right now, and we I guess we should probably just start this with a big thank you to the fans for the guys that have got in early on the Rem and Sam podcast. We're we're uh, we're building quite a quite an army. I don't I don't know if army is the right term. I don't know. We were talking about storming the airport last week in Indianapolis, so maybe who knows? But a mighty an army, a family at the Rem and Sam podcast is that what it's becoming? Who knows? But let's just say that today there was uh some stuff happening. There's been stuff happening recently. Some moves that have been made. And I think I think there's some announcements that'll be happening on the Friday show with Sam. So you guys will want to be staying tuned for that. Follow the Spotify, follow the Apple Podcasts, and follow the socials as well too. Rem and Sam on Instagram, Rem and Sam on YouTube, if you're not doing that already. Again, thank you to the, those that are. And if you haven't already, I mean, now is the time to get in. Just get in on the ground floor because like I said, Friday, there's a, a, a couple things that we're going to announce when uh, we're joined with our guy, Sam. But like I said, typically we've been doing these uh, Tuesday ones, Tuesday night when we're recording it, Wednesday when it drops. We've been doing these midweek episodes with our guy, Ian Fataport. You guys can follow him on uh, Twitter, X, at Ian Fataport, if you want to know what's going on. And follow him this this week too, because this weekend he's been tweeting a lot during the games. I know he's going to be tweeting during the conference championship, during the, just, just this coming week in general too. There's going to be parlays. There's going to be, live in-game tweets it's 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 honestly it is just the number one twitter follow x follow right now in the business our guy ian fataport and we he's been joining us for the nfl season and let's just say i i maybe we'll just make a semi-big announcement here i don't know but let should we let's should we check with it quick it says go ahead and do it so our guy ian fataport let's just say that there's been some extension talks with our guy ian fataport and when he joins us next week, maybe we'll be doing some draft stuff with our guy. And I know we've we've been, we've loved doing the Tuesday shows. We've been having a blast. And I think that, you know, the Super Bowl is right around the corner. We're, we're in the, like we said, divisional week was this week. Conference championships next week. Then we go Pro Bowl Grammy week. And then the Super Bowl. And then technically the, you know, the, the NFL season is done at that point. But I think uh, we're going to continue to put something together for you guys for the NFL draft and continue doing the midweek edition. We like doing two a week here on the Ren and Sam podcast. I think it's been working good. I think the the feedback's been good on it. Everybody likes it. Like we said, Fataport's a great follow. Fataport's a great hang. And I think we're going to be talking NFL draft with our guy Fataport in the upcoming week. So you guys are going to want to stay tuned to that as well as the NFL. Just, you know, NFL in general, who knows what else will pop up when we're talking to our guy but like we said there is some divisional round stuff that we are gonna cover quickly mention some stuff for the games it's a solo episode so maybe we won't dive too deep we'll well i mean we're, we're pushing the announcements to the friday pod so we'll push all the good stuff to the friday pod i'm not trying to turn you off this one maybe you guys want to stick around and listen but like i said we'll mention some stuff quickly about the divisional round games and you know with the NBA going on in the background here I should we should honestly mention quickly too last night Monday night last night when we recorded this so Monday night was the NBA TV matchup Joel Embiid versus Wemby Embiid gets the franchise record for the Sixers in this game drops a 70 piece and I know I know me and Sam have done a couple of episodes when there's been some other big scoring performances I'm trying to remember who had the there was another one to start the year. Was it? I don't know if it was Giannis, but I know there was a there was a seventy point guy last year. Was it Mitchell last year? 
and then a big scoring performance to start this season. And I know me and Sam have done some talks about, you know, who the next big point score is, you know, who's going to get to 60, who's going to get to 70, who's the next guy to break a franchise record. I'm pretty sure Sam mentioned Embiid, but it's not like he was our first pick and maybe he should have been higher on the list. Obviously just his dominance. And it was definitely on display versus the Spurs team. I know people are, especially with the Wemby story, you know, Wemby's obviously the headliner for the Spurs. So the Wemby and Bead matchup specifically, like when they're going one-on-one is the thing that is highlighted. And because of the big scoring number, people are looking at that matchup and kind of saying Wemby, you know, defensively, obviously MB definitely took it to him the other night pause, but I think, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just Wemby and I'm, I'm not trying to call out the other guys on the Spurs to make Wemby look good, but I mean, Embiid was destroying everybody. And honestly, it's not like they were trying to stop him. I mean, you you know going into the game that just where these guys are at in their development right now, that Wemby versus Embiid when they're one-on-one is a mismatch. And I know, you know, Wemby, there was, there was a shot earlier in the game where Embiid tried to do like a little fadeaway, a little one-legged fadeaway over Embiid. It was around the free throw line and uh, straight on. And I know he got it off, but like you could see Wemby definitely altered the shot. And I don't even know, he may have even like grazed it like a little tiny bit. So, you know, there is still a world where Wemby is able to make life difficult for Embiid. But just in general, he's going to be able to do whatever he wants on Wemby and pause that. And then they were, and it was, it was just whatever matchup he was on in that game. And the thing, you know, I know they were double teaming him there a little bit at the end, even tripping, triple teaming him. But I know for a majority of the first half, they were just letting guys go one-on-one. And here, let's actually pull up these stats here from the game because they do have the matchup stats for each guy. And I mean, like you said, there is Wemby, Wemby himself was tough. Embiid, 24 points on Wemby, 10 of 15 from the field, 66%. But... Zach Collins as well, too, 21 points, 9 of 14 from the field. And then Sohan, 22 points, 10 of 17 from the field. So he actually took the most field goal attempts on Sohan in that game. And I know, again, a lot of those, especially earlier in the game, just one-on-one kind of being like, okay, we kind of understand what's happening here. And I know when Sam had mentioned, was that on the last pod that we had done? Or two weeks ago, he had mentioned that we kind of had thought the Spurs were going to be a little bit better. Maybe he mentioned that off the air as well, too. But he was telling me that, and we we had said it in the offseason, too, so it's no secret, but maybe this team was going to be a feisty play-in team. Maybe this team was going to make some kind of run. You know, who knows what the Wemby season looks like and the talent around him. And they definitely just looked a little more underdeveloped than they than we, than we had assumed that they were. And, you know, it was a, a game like like, kind of the way they were guarding Embiid in this game was something to point to that, where, again, they're kind of just letting Embiid work on these matchups one-on-one where you know you're not going to be able to stop him, and they did make some adjustments here. Actually, you know what else let's do? Let's just pull up the highlights. Should we just watch the highlights for Embiid versus Wemby? The Re- <laughs> Rem and Sam react to Embiid scoring 70 points? Like we say, It's a solo episode. We're just hanging out, so... Maybe we'll get wild today. And for those watching on Spotify, I guess uh, you'll be able to see for the Apple uh, to follow us, uh, Rem and Sam on YouTube. If you want to see some of the video stuff that we're putting out there, let's and let's do, let's see if we can get some Wemby scoring in here too. Cause Wemby had a good game offensively. Wemby had 30 points. Wemby was doing stuff around the basket. Wemby had like a drop step in this game where it was on, they've been doing it a lot on the left side and he did it on the right side and it looked good. And I don't know if that was an intentional switch. Here we go. They don't mind. Okay, here we go. From a good shot to a better shot. And Zoom's got the Telestrator too. We can Telestrate this thing. Oh, so that one MB makes, but again, you can see Wemby's still able to affect him in some way. I guess not really because he makes the shot. Ooh, Wemby for three. Off the pick and roll, right, right wing. Going left. Now we got Embiid, or sorry, Wemby bringing the ball up. Straight on triple right over the top of Harris. We'll do a little extra play-by-play for, again, the people listening on. 
Apple. Showing you the ability to shoot with either hand. That okay, time, this is Embiid nice bucket. Release with the left. It didn't go we in. got him going Embiid right to left crossover off the right side. Sixers lead the NBA in three points. Again, there's just nothing you're going to do there. Just Embiid's going to have his way down low pause with uh, Especially this Spurs front line. Watch the duck in here, and then there's everybody else is on the other side. Oh, push Wemby off. See, that's that's tough. And there's been there was a play on Giannis. I think one of the big blocks he had earlier in the season was on Giannis, and that was a play where Giannis went into his body, and he still was able to recover a little. Like he definitely the contact definitely altered it, but he was still able to recover and contest the shot and block it and. You know, again, he's going to get stronger. He's going to work on that stuff. And maybe he's not going to body Embiid, but it's to the point where, hey, can he still be on balance when he takes contact and just be able to get back into the picture and affect the shot? And we got Embiid just... Here we got a matchup on Sohan. Collins for the double. But again, that's just, that's just leaving Sohan to box him out. From the big fella underneath. I wanted to, so I would and I wouldn't to stop say that was an A plus job of boxing on Embiid there. They want to overplay out there. You backdoor cut him. We saw it earlier from Wembenyama that time from Johnson. Oh, see, Collins is rebounding like a guard there, just flying in. Cork Maz, the backup point tonight. No Pat Bev, missing his second consecutive because of illness. Oh, we didn't look up the McDermott matchup stats. Yeah. Look at this. In between multiples off the glass and in. Yeah, this was all just the first quarter for MB. from the Cameroonian. And Bean had four good games in this game. Johnson went right at him over the right shoulder. That's the drop step right there on Paul Reed. Off the window for two. Trying to get this defensive perimeter player, in this case Wesley, to go underneath the screen. We'll see this in the highlights a little bit later, but there was a stretch where the Sixers went and beat and Paul Reed. At one point, both Again. centers. Oh my goodness! I don't know if that's like a clever matchup thing. I don't know if we should give Nick nerves props for that, or if that's just like super disrespectful to the Spurs. You know. Watch Victor here, splitting multiple defenders. Goes right beyond Paul. Paul coming over to help. Yeah, this second quarter is a lot of. Trying to get it back to Embiid on the roll. Embiid on Paul Reed. Find a shoot for Embiid. Up and over Wembenyama for 30. As I take it all back. Look at that. He is just unaffected by anything. Embiid's so tonight. good. It's just remarkable. The efficiency. Alex English. We talked about Adrian Dantley. I'm reminded of Bernard King when he used to put up 60. But he wasn't doing stuff like this. They weren't doing stuff like this. And the Spurs were hanging. Person. They were around it's in this game. What someone tells Honestly, you. the best thing for Embiid 70 was that the Spurs were within 12, 11 points like the entire time. And they kind of needed Embiid out there to continue to put that game away. If they're up by 25, you know, who knows if Embiid just gets like 52, 60. Maybe they pull him out right after the franchise record. The thing is that franchise record is 68, though. So I guess you just lead in there to get the get the couple extra buckets and just go straight to 70. With the left hand around Joel Embiid and the oohs and ahs from the crowd say it all here on Broad Street. Great hands. Watch this. Just yeah, I'm gonna go around the defender. Doesn't everyone do this to avoid the defense? And they were fully healthy good. too. Yeah, Max, he was playing. Minutes to go in and see whether or not they can come up with a formula for success. Embiid with a new first half career high, 34. Again, Sixers playing with a very short bench tonight, but because of this guy, it hasn't oh. mattered. Embiid dispatching Victor and jamming it down. Give me the ball and get out of the way. I will take care of the rest. I'm going to take care of him, too, along the way. Tyrese Maxey. Harris. Back to Joel. Embiid just inside the free throw line, making 38 for 21. The free throw line. 38 for 21. I've, there's honestly, there hasn't, again, been a game. Oh, come on, IT. What are we doing here? 
Oh, ads! Oh. And when Benyama able to lay it up and over his head. <laughs> That's not normal. How many Someone shots did Embiid up, end up with this game in total? Yeah, 41 shots. Calls for the ball because he beats everyone down. 20 free, 23 free throws. 21 for 23 from the free throw line. There honestly hasn't been a more natural 41 point shot game than, than I've seen in a long time. And all the 41 point shot, and all the 41 shot games that I've seen, this is uh, definitely the most. Because again, with the matchups here, it's just like, well, you're just going to keep going to this. Used to want the ball at a certain angle. Post. There's really nothing you can do. Points two of four from long range. Nice duck it down to Joel. No good on the first try, oh. no good on the second. Third time the Champagne. This is something he has done all night against this Spurs team. He has offensive rebound there. The one time they double is with Sohan and Champagne. You just have to be watching the game, living in the Philadelphia Not the one area, time, the but Philadelphia. And love chicken. Embiid, what a pass! Kelly, the flush in the face. The playmaking this year for Embiid has been off the charts as well, too. Look at that. A little whip around behind the pass over the right shoulder. We just Texas need to see it in the playoffs. There are four Maxi with a dozen tonight. Tobias with a dozen. Joel with 43. Wembeniano on him. Embiid, 45 from the elbow. 17 for Vassell, 26 for Wemby as he sits on that minutes restriction. Maxi to Batum. Joel up, down, and back up for 47. True. We're, we're the Should we stop when he gets to 50? We love chicken. We love our chicken. We yeah. love our poultry here. And we need a fake, a spin, another fake. Oh. The buckets in the fake. Going to the line for the ant one. Watch Joel here. Nice little drop step, pump fake. Gets multiple defenders up. Sohan could have gotten that foul easily as well. But he's on pace right now. That'd be pretty good. Yeah, I don't want to see him in the fourth quarter. Tyrese behind the back. MB 52. 52. Was Bassey inactive for this one? Where's Charles Bassey? I mean, we all know this is the number one Charles Bassey Spurs pod with the national ultimate frisbee segment that's recorded on zoom let's see if he was inactive for this game because i mean just having him inactive would be kind of a weird move especially when you're going against Embiid. again with that front line i i mean you can do whatever to try to win this game maybe just throw your guys out there to see what you got but a dmp from our guy bassy yeah i guess he must have been uh must have been on the inactive list with barlow and sissoko Tough one for the tough one for the matchup. I think you'd want to at least have him in uniform just in case you're you're gonna try. They had Diakite Diakite on the bench. Mamus Vili. Maybe you just give him the Mamus Vili DMP that night instead, just to feel good about yourself. But I mean, I you, you can't really defend the Spurs in a 70 point Embiid performance. That's not really the point. It is just you know Embiid was awesome. The Spurs were, uh, the Spurs are, you know, a, a tanking team this year. Wemby is in a development year, but the Wemby, the Wemby numbers have been good this year. And again, we talked offensively that he had a good game. 52% from the field, 40% from three, 12 free throw attempts as well, too. Again, some of the on Paul Reed, but in some of the moments, and it's a tiny thing, but in some of the moments where you're like, okay, this is a matchup where he should be winning it. He is winning it against some of the, you know, the backup centers, the second bench minutes. And the the last 11 games for Wemby, 25 points a game, eight rebounds, three and a half blocks, 53% from the field, 34% from, from three, 86% from the free throw line. Six attempts a game as well, too. So, but again, we're seeing it. And like we said before the season, the Wemby season is going to be kind of like, just take it in like three or four stages. Just... There's going to be these big development swings. And this is not going to be the, you know, the, the peak version of Wembenyama. He's going to continue to grow this season. Let's just go like last five games, 27 points a game, 37% from the free throw line. So again, I, I mean, we're seeing it right now. We'll revisit this every, you know, 10 games or so. No, I guess it's every couple of weeks. We'll probably revisit it every time we talk and uh, check out on the Wembenyama numbers to see how the development's coming along. But 
Another NBA thing that happened, maybe we'll mention it quickly, give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, the Terry Rozier trade to Miami. And I mean, it's, I think it's kind of a thumbs up. The first round pick is, you know, those are always, you know, you, you always think about those when uh, you're trading them, but you're the Heat, you're trying to win titles. Kyle Lowry as well, too. I think the, I think Rozier for this season could be a little more, he, they, they, they could probably use his skill set a little bit more than what Kyle Lowry brings to the table at this point. And they didn't have to give up too much other than that. I don't know if there's any protections on that pick or not as well, too. But even unprotected for the Heat in 27, I guess it is 2024. You're going to still at least hopefully have Bam there. You know, there is uh, there is some stuff with him and Tyler Hero's fit. Rogier and Tyler Hero playing both of those guys to feather, together. Defensively, what does that look like? But... I mean, the offense he gives you is going to be important. And the thing with Terry Rozier is like, we've seen him be important in big games. He was a big piece of that Celtics team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals with rookie Tatum, no Kyrie that season. They was, you know, kind of a surprise run and he was playing big minutes for him. Let's see what he was doing in, uh, in that playoff run. He's been a 20 point a game guy. I know some of the shooting numbers are not always where you'd want him to be at. But again, Terry Rozier is one of those guys. He's just kind of a gamer. And kind of a baller. And in that playoff run, he was 16 points a game, five assists, a 16, five and five from Terry Rozier that year. In the playoffs this season, he's 46% from the field, 36% from three, 23 points a game. So again, that's pretty good. I mean, for Kyle Lowry in a future first, if you're trying to win the title again this year, and we saw what they did with the, a feisty bunch last year. So if Kayla Martin is the Eastern Conference MVP again, throw t- throw Terry Rozier into that mix for the playoffs and maybe have yourself in an interesting run. But I mean the Kyle, I mean the, the Rozier hero minutes are probably going to be better than the the Lowry hero minutes, which again is the the point of the trade. You get yourself another a gamer and another heat culture guy. I think it fits in perfectly. Maybe Sam will mention that trade again on Friday and we'll see what he thinks about it. But the divisional round playoff matchups this week, we will quickly rip through these divisional round games. And just to update on the game quickly, I know you guys already know what happened, but halftime 49 50 Knicks nets crosstown rivalry. It's NBA rivalry week. Looks like we got a good one on NBA on TNT. Shout out Adam Lefko. Lefko call in sometime. We'd, uh, we'd take the call. But the first big matchup of the day, and I know when Fataport's here, last week, Fataport, we did the weekend winner's draft after the wildcard matchup, and Fataport's not here, so IT said they didn't want to do the draft, unfortunately. And I know IT's pretty shy, but... So we're, we're, we'll, still, we'll still, I think, do some winners, some losers through the matchup. I mean, the first big winner, obviously, for the big game of the weekend, Bills-Chiefs, Chiefs-Bills, Winner number one, Sam, for just having Pat Mahomes in his life in the Chiefs in the dynasty. And now Mahomes is in six straight conference championship games. As many conference championship games as he had incompletions in this game, six incompletions, 17 of 30, 20, 23, if you only have uh, six incompletions. And even if you look at the ones that he had in this game, I know Dane Jackson, the first one that he threw, Dane Jackson made a good pass pass breakup on Watson on a third and five. There was a couple of throwaways and then there was a drive where he had three incompletions, one of them a throwaway and then two of them in the red zone to Kelsey, one to Kelsey on the left side and the other one to MVS on the right side. Both of them that he kind of missed and then a low throw to MVS on a third down later in the game. That was his final incompletion and uh, you, you kind of go through it. I mean, he played nearly a perfect game and there is a, I mean, you look at the tape and he almost, he almost literally could have with some of the incompletions that he had being pretty close. And again, some of them being ones that he missed. And I know Shannon Sharp was on all of his platforms saying that this was the best game that the cheese offense has played. And he, I mean, he's absolutely right. They look fantastic in this game and they, um, they look so good to the point where it was like, it almost make you made you forget about any of the problems that this team had had. It was like, you know, was Mahomes even ever, you know, the Mahomes frustration 
the receiving drops, like all the all the stuff that we were concerned about with the Chiefs just seemed to go away in this matchup. And I guess I don't, you know, I, I don't know what the lingering effects of what the regular season would have been, but just for them to turn around. And, you know, we've been ta- we've been doing our playoff brackets here every week and been picking the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, making a run. I know Sam, he doesn't want to be biased. He's been leaning a little bit toward the Ravens and we'll do the picks on Friday. And who knows, maybe it's uh, not biased to pick the Ravens. But, you know, we, we've expected, I think, the Chiefs to be in this position in the AFC because of Mahomes. But again, for the offense to look as in sync, I don't know if surprising is the right, right term, but definitely a big jump from where we saw him in the end of the regular season. And Kelsey as well, too. I know he had the drops last game, but he looked fantastic in this game. And we need you guys for this one. Slide in the DMs your thoughts on Travis Kelsey throwing up the heart after the touchdown. The His first touchdown in this playoffs, his first touchdown since week 11 in the regular season, almost two full months without a touchdown. And then, you know, Taylor Swift is in the box, throws up the heart. Who knows if that was to the Chiefs fans, to Taylor Swift, who knows? But slide, in, slide into the DMs with your guys' thoughts on that. I think if you're listening to this on Spotify as well too, I think you can comment on the episode. So comment your thoughts. Shout out to Champ Quinn. We're watching this game with the Champ Quinn. And, uh, or maybe it's, I, I don't think he cares, but uh, not a fan. Not a fan of the move. Travis Kelsey, just play football is, uh, is the take. But we want to know your guys' thoughts. Is Travis Kelsey, I mean, it's just like, you know, all, again, all the ups and downs for the Kelsey season. And then you finally get a touchdown and you're, you're it's like, are we still being distracted here, Kelsey? What's going on? But if you're playing well, I guess, uh, you can't really criticize him. So Travis Kelsey playing well in these playoffs. And again, shout out to the champ for letting me spoil his takes. And I guess if he's upset and has a problem with this, uh, he can sue, sue the pod. Hopefully he, hopefully he doesn't do that. That'd be, that'd be kind of tough, but you know, I let's hear your guys' take. I don't even know if it was the, the actual action itself, but maybe the, Maybe he's just champion just just gets mad about house of highlights. He can basically predict what they're going to post. And I think that might be the problem, but uh, comment on the comment on what you guys thought. But of course, Sam is a winner is now Josh Allen. Do we give Josh Allen a winner? Is he a loser? I here's the thing. I don't think Josh Allen is deaf. He's not a loser coming out of this game. Like I know there's going to be some criticism for, you know, the missed pass to Diggs on the second and nine final drive where he one he misses digs on the crossing route wide open that could get the first down. You know, maybe it's not a touchdown on that play, but it's definitely a first down keeps the drive alive. And then his target on that play is Shakir in the end zone. And Shakir even gets a little bit of separation and Allen misses that throw as well too. But honestly, just watching the game, like uh, you know, Mahomes has been like in this one, he was fantastic. And it's hard to say that Allen's, outplayed Mahomes. I know Allen did some damage on the ground. He had two rushing touchdowns. Again, the just the overall performance from Allen is going to be the thing more so than just the passing numbers. But especially with the Mahomes now, the legacy, the six championships, there's been some goat talk with Mahomes. There's been a lot of comparing him to Brady. Just a lot of conversation about where Mahomes' legacy is at. But because of the Brady stuff with Mahomes, you know, the Mahomes Allen rivalry has kind of gotten the Manning Brady label as the number one QB rivalry. And, you know, I think they said in this one that now these teams have played like seven times in the last four years. I mean, this is basically a fifth divisional opponent for these teams. And I know they're playing, it's not regular season. You're throwing the the playoff matchup in there as well too. But if, if this is like a, a Manning Brady thing, I think some of the, stuff of you know some of the secret about that that rivalry is i think the individual performances from both sides of this Mahomes Allen rivalry have been i don't want to say a higher level than the Manning Brady rivalry but i think up until this point like up until this game the or at least the, the last couple of games that the bills have said and like we were saying on the on the friday pod going into it like they had kind of, you know, in the regular season, gotten the cheese the last couple of times, had been a feisty team to play against. And Allen, I think you could make the case 
had outplayed Mahomes the last couple of times they played. And I think even in that game, the divisional round game that the Chiefs end up winning, you know, from a couple of seasons ago, the 13 second game, you could say that Allen got outplayed by Tyreek Hill in that game. And, you know, Travis Kelsey and some of the yards after the catch stuff that was going on. And again, Mahomes, the numbers in that game, that was a fantastic quarterback duel. And it's hard to say who was the, the better one at the end of the day. But again, regardless, Allen has been going toe-to-toe with Mahomes. And I know that there was a couple of plays, there at least the one play at the end there where Allen misses the pass. And Allen also has the fumble on that drive as well, too. That final drive was just insane for the Bills. Diggs drops the opening pass. You got the Allen fumble and then that stuff at the end. And then still they have a chance to tie with the field goal. Bass misses the field goal. All of that, they could have still sent it to overtime. And again, I think Mahomes clearly outplayed Allen in this one, but Allen was amazing for 58, 57 minutes of this game. He, and just throughout the game, time and time again, again, with his legs through the air, with just making plays. And I think it's hard to say that Allen is the reason that they lost this game when, again, he's doing so much time and time again to just keep him in these games. And throughout the history of this rivalry, the fact that he has the legacy of being on that level with Mahomes in these games. I don't think you can necessarily say that Allen has cost. And I know, again, Sharp, Shannon Sharp was saying that, you know, this stuff comes down to moments. And in big moments, you got to make some plays and maybe Mahomes, or maybe Allen does have to hit that throw. But again, like some of the stuff that was happening, like the, the Sherfield drop on the drive before. And again, we mentioned the digs drop earlier in that game. So, you know, third and 12 is a hits a tries to hit a deep shot to Sherfield in the first fourth quarter and Sherfield ends up dropping it. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, and, and then the, the fake pun as well, too, that this, this is another one. We might need you guys to comment below slide in the DMS on your thoughts on the fake punt, because there is, there was the whole situation with the chiefs only having 10 guys in the field. So if you have that kind of advantage, maybe that is something you want to take, take advantage of. But I think in that moment, even if they had ran a fake punt, I think even if that play had been designed, I don't know, just something about it in that moment, maybe it didn't feel like the right time to necessarily do it. But again, with the with the player advantage on the field, I get the I get the idea behind it. So I want to hear what you guys think about it. I know it's uh, been a controversial one. So slide in the DMs, comment on the episode, what you guys thought. But I don't I don't necessarily think Allen is a loser. And I would I would honestly again would just I personally would consider putting him in the winner category. I know it's hard to do with the mispass at the end, not resulting in the win, but even with that mispass, those plays, they were in field, they were in field goal range. And that last drive, the way he was able to get them down the field, I was I do think that was impressive. I do think he played good in this game. And maybe he's maybe he shouldn't have been that aggressive in field goal range, you know, knowing that they had that in their, in their bag, but maybe he should have worried about, Hey, let's get a couple more yards. Let's get this closer. We don't want to take any more chances. Let's get to overtime and see what happens. But again, he had him in a spot to, to get the win. The kicker misses the kick. And I don't necessarily think you can blame Josh Allen for this one. Another winner. And this is, this might be important going into the matchup next week for the Chiefs is Raven, uh, the Chiefs Ravens matchup next week for the Chiefs. A winner is kind of the the Chiefs run defense in the fourth quarter. And we talked about the importance of the Bills running the ball on the Friday pod. And through three quarters, they were able to do it. James Cook had 14 attempts for 67 yards. It's almost five yards an attempt. And in the fourth quarter, only four carries for negative six yards. Did anybody have the over-under for James Cook, the alternate fourth quarter rush yards? If that was even a prop, they have negative six as an option because I bet they would have gotten good odds on that. And so, uh, you know, maybe that's something we'll ask Sam about the Chiefs run defense in the the preview pod on Friday. I know he was definitely really talking up the linebackers last week. And again, they performed well in the fourth quarter. And like Shannon Sharp was saying, in the fourth quarter when the Chiefs needed to clutch up, the Chiefs cl- clutched up. Mahomes uh, got it done. So if you're if you're a Bills fan, though, just in general, exiting this game. I do wonder if, you know, I, I just, because of the five-year run now, I know that a lot of Bills fans are, there's probably just a little bit of like a hopeless feeling going on. Allen hasn't been able to get over Mahomes. This is three straight now, divisional round exits. But this is, 
this is kind of a young core to their team. And I know the Diggs thing, maybe we'll mention that next, but James Cook was basically a focal point of this offense at the end. And then kind of late in that game, especially once Dawson Knox goes out, they were kind of forced to get the ball to Kincaid. And Kincaid is what, a rookie second year? Like he's another young guy as well too. So two of the big pieces on this offense are young guys. Rousseau is a younger guy. He might be a guy that's, you know, up for like a, his first extension soon, but still just in general, a young pass rusher that you can build around. I know the, the safeties are still there. So maybe you just feel hopeless that you haven't beaten the Chiefs, but just looking at the, like the overall roster, I do think this again, like kind of, and the Chiefs are kind of in this position too. So maybe that's why you feel hopeless, but there's some young pieces here and there's this, this is more like, Hey, going forward versus, I think the end of the run. Now the end of the run guy it would be Diggs and I know there's talk of whether or not he'll return. He's an interesting one for trying to find a landing spot for though because again like I I I know people have probably made this point. It's not a it's kind of a, you know it's obvious but if you're not happy with Josh Allen, what kind of quarterback are you going to be happy with? And it's not that Josh Allen is the most accurate quarterback, but I mean and he is at times too. He threw a couple of passes in this Chiefs game that were Again, just incredible. Like the moments for Josh Allen, I think he's been very close, 98% of what Pat Mahomes has been doing. And again, that that is the key. But for Diggs, if you're looking for a landing spot, he needs a good quarterback. It needs to be a team that they actually are going to deal with. Like if the Patriots get a rookie quarterback, are they going to trade him in division to the New England Patriots? You know, maybe they end up releasing him and that's the... And he just hits free agency. He can go wherever he wants. So maybe it doesn't even matter. But if they were trying to trade Diggs anyways, you know, would they trade him to an interdivision team like the Patriots? Would they even trade him interconference? Like, I don't, I guess maybe would like the, the Ravens? I Like if the Ravens called and I know, you know, they've got some young receivers there. So maybe, you know, they don't necessarily need a guy, but I'm sure they would take the, the depth. And if they called and there was like a sixth, fifth round pick that the Bills are willing to take, you know, would they make a move? I guess would they would they trade him to another like interconference contending team that's like hey maybe we're gonna have to run into this guy in the playoffs so maybe it's an NFC team but the one AFC team that I was looking at was maybe the Texans for Stephon Diggs I don't know why it has to be an AFC team but again I think Diggs kind of needs to be with a good quarterback and a lot of them are in the AFC right now and you got a a young quarterback there obviously CJ Stroud I think if you're the Bills maybe you're not totally threatened by the Texans. Yeah, I'm not saying that's the right way to look at it. I'm just saying that maybe that's that maybe that that's the way that they are looking at it. Maybe if you talk yourself into that, you think, hey, they have a couple more years. We can still with Allen at the peak of his powers. We're still a notch above them. So who knows? I don't know. Would you do lock it for I don't I don't want to start doing fake trades for Stefan Diggs, but uh slide in the DMs if you think Stefan Diggs is leaving. I do think that that could be an, I do think that, you know, that's a 50 50 on whether or not he comes back. I think McDermott's probably pretty safe though. I know there's a lot of rumblings about whether or not he might lose his job after this one, but I do think that he returns and, uh, you know, I don't know necessarily where I would put him for the head coach rank. I'm maybe, maybe we'll sit down this week. Who knows? I was going to say after the season, but why not just do it this week and, uh, rank the coaches and kind of see where he lands. He's still one of the better ones in the league, but, especially with the way that some of the younger coaches look this year, then, you know, who knows, gets, who knows who gets hired as well too. Like if we see Ben Johnson take another job, like I just would be interesting to see where people would have McDermott ranked, but Texans Ravens, the other AFC showdown. And obviously Lamar's a winner out of this one, just getting over the playoff hump, looking as impressive as he did in this game, but I do, I do wonder if people are like appropriately fearing how good Lamar is, especially going into a matchup against Mahomes where we, the Mahomes dominance at this point is well-established. Just, I think getting to this checkpoint kind of makes this season somewhat a success for Kansas city. We'll double check with Sam on that on the Friday pod, but just like continuing this run, this, this streak, of ASC championships. It's like, okay, obviously the Mahomes, the Mahomes dominance was already solidified through five seasons, but just keeping it on through six is like why 
the, it's why the GOAT conversation stuff is happening. But just for next week's matchup and just for bigger picture in general, the, what Lamar has developed into is an actual, like what he's become as a quarterback. And I, you know, I said actual quarterback, maybe that's not the right thing to say, but what he has developed into as a pocket passer to complement his ability to run is, I, again, across from Mahomes, I don't, I hope people are like maybe ready for what could potentially happen in this matchup. And, you know, the, the playoff history with Lamar is he's still under 500 as a playoff quarterback. So there is a chance that Spagnola, the defense, you know, who knows if they're able to dial something up. We're not going to turn this into a, a Chiefs Ravens preview, but I do think that Lamar is just a totally different player than he was in those early playoff runs. And we kind of mentioned it last week. And I think for just, again, big picture where Lamar's at in his career, it's important, but he hasn't played a playoff game in three years going into that playoff game. So the development that Lamar had made or, or, you know, slash was making, we weren't seeing that on the big stage. He was injured. And, you know, that, that was something that was definitely a red flag against him, especially in the offseason, in the contract negotiation stuff. But I think for our ability to trust him in these big games, the fact that we, obviously the fact that we hadn't seen him kind of, it, it, affected, it affected that. And I think I, I'm just more willing to make that leap quickly and be like, hey, I can kind of fully trust Lamar in a playoff situation now. Because again, I think as a pocket passer, the way he's developed and Houston as well. Like they didn't really know what to do against Lamar. And I don't really know what you do against Lamar. Like they showed the stat in the broadcast where they tried to blitz him on 70% of the plays and the season average for Houston for blitzing on plays was 22% on the season. So they were only blitzing 22% of the time. And in this game against Lamar, 70%, they were trying to get pressure. You can't pressure him with four because that's, you know, that then you're not really going to get pressure there. Maybe you can spy him. Like, I mean, you know, we'll do the preview on Friday and try to figure all that out. But D'Amico Ryans is a, a good off, a good defensive mind. And I do think that even the Texans players made good defensive plays in this one. This, this game was kind of close until the end, you know, Christian Harris had a good open field tackle on Lamar. They forced a, a three and out a time or two. So there was still some moments, but Lamar on the ground and the, the receivers that they have around him. Now, the fact that there's some competency in this offense, again, what he's developed into, it's just like, I think we kind of have to prepare, to prepare ourselves for what that, what that AFC matchup could potentially be. And again, maybe the chiefs do win that, but I do think that uh, maybe, I don't, maybe spoiler. I do think that Lamar probably has a fantastic game in that game. And he just looks, he looks unstoppable right now. He's unsackable. Like you can't touch him. I don't know if they, oh, they did get a couple of sacks in the end of the end of the first half on that final Ravens drive, but just in general, basically untouchable in the pocket. And I don't really know how you game plan against this guy. So like we said, though, for the Texans, I know the score got, a, got out of hand a little bit and only 10 points. You know, the only touchdown that they score in this game was a, a special team. I think uh, 10 points is the right, right for that. We'll double check just in case. I don't think there was a garbage time touchdown there. Yeah. 10 to 34 was the final score. And they had that kick return touchdown as the, the one score, but you know, there are some moments if you just go through the drives and look like the second drive, Stroud has that intentional grounding on second down, which you lose the down, you get the penalty. It's all of a sudden third and 16 and then a false start third and 21. They have to punt. There's a, there's a play in the fourth drive where there's a third and one. And, you know, at this point, I know they hadn't run the ball a ton, but it was kind of looking like they were not going to be able to run. You just know against the Ravens defense, it's going to be tough in general. So maybe on a third and one, a, a halfback dive is not the right call there. You know, you give Stroud the ball. Maybe he's able to pick that up. Who knows what happens on that drive? It was three to three as well at that point too, because they had kicked a field goal on the previous drive. And then on the next drive after that, so they have to punt on that fourth and one after that. The next drive, they or the next time they get the ball because there's the there's the punt return touchdown in there, they miss a field goal. So the game was tied 10 to 10. So after all that with the special teams and they get the ball back, they could have been up 13 to 10 at one point. And then their next possession 
was end of the half kneel down. So maybe they're winning this game at halftime. And then just who knows what, I mean, the Ravens probably still end up winning this one. Like again, just the resume that they have now with the margin of victory over some of these teams is just, it's on paper, super impressive, but they could have been winning. And then in the second half, there's a drive where they call a flea flicker and they lose five yards and they're kind of on the edge of field goal range at that point. And it, you know, would have been a long field goal again, their kicker missed. So is they are, what, what kind of range and reliability are they working with here? But a play call, a negative play call in that kind of play range. Maybe if that goes like, there's just plays where the Texans, I think were in this game a little bit much more than the score showed at the end. And I do think that as a team with a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, and, you know, a rookie defensive foundational piece in Will Anderson, I get, you could say you could make the argument for best player on the defense. You know, Derek Stingley this year had a fantastic season. And I think the, the Stingley sauce sauce argument, because I Stingley was one pick before sauce Gardner. And then sauce Gardner turns around, makes first team all pro last year, but his, his turnaround this season and just, you know, him actually being healthy more and in the playoffs than he was last season. He wasn't healthy, he wasn't healthy all season. But just in general, his ability, he, him and the argument between him and Sauce is much closer. Greenard had a good year, so you can make an argument that a bunch of guys had good years on that Houston defense. But I thought, you know, maybe outside of Slowick's play calling, a lot of positive things. The Slowick conversation will be interesting. And maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll do some conversation sometime about the assisting coaches right now who we like because, you know, they're, all these names right now are in the head coaching search. All these guys are going to interviews. I like Bobby Slowick. I think Bobby Slowick had a really good year. And I know that the Texans players made a lot of good plays this year. Stroud had a fantastic year. You know, Nico Collins, I think, is underrated for who he is as a player. More so than just, hey, Stroud, they have a good quarterback there now. And Stroud is a guy like Nico Collins is a number one receiver. I don't think they necessarily need to in any kind of draft or offseason situation like hey we need a number one like they have their guy they have nico collins i think he can be that so i know that they have good guys but i thought Slowick did a good job with this offense i like some of, i like the positions that they were putting stroud in and you know again he was creating a lot after the play after like when when plays broke down extending a lot of plays but for a game against the you know what is at this point the best team in the league in the baltimore ravens for a first year team i thought they did some impressive stuff on the road look good. Another team that impressed on the road, but was not able to get the win. Unfortunately for, unfortunately for Bucks fans anyways, not unfortunately for our guy, the champ Quinn shout out to just shout out to the Detroit lions for winning another playoff game, two playoff games. Now is that like a hundred years worth of history for the Detroit lions? You know, maybe that, that gets you back into the forties. So maybe the 1940, I know the 1950s Detroit lions were, not looking too shabby either because that 58 team was the the last time that they won any kind of championship, but two wins now at home for Detroit before they go on the road to play San Francisco. And I know what we were hyping up the defense a little bit last week with Fatiport, but honestly, I do. This defense is good. I just do think this defense is good. And I know the numbers didn't reflect that, but you know, I know we're not, we're not like a call out a guy type of pod, but the receiver numbers, and I think that, you know, I, I maybe it's not even that Sutton's having a bad year. Like, he's been, the numbers that have been being put up on him are being put up by some of the best receivers in the league. Like, Mike Evans is still a top-notch guy, made the Pro Bowl this year. Justin Jefferson had a big, big game. CeeDee Lamb, Chris Olave, like, all, all of guys that are guys that could be, at any point, you know, top 10 level, like, fantasy receivers, you know, talking about a guy like, Olave. So maybe it's not even just that with Sutton, but if there, you know, if you're going to point out a weakness on the Lions defense, I think that's the one. And outside of that, I would say that this Lions D again, this Lions defense is strong. I Lions D will clarify the Lions defense is strong outside of Sutton. So I think, I think against this 49ers matchup, this is going to be a brutal game for him, especially I know Debo was out in that game as well too. And I don't know as of Tuesday night, if there's any update on Debo Samuel, you don't even have to fit. You don't even have to type in Debo Samuel and you don't even have to finish the Google thing. It just fills in when you go 
D. I don't even think you have to get to D, Bo. So they're so we're saying that they avoided serious injury, and I think that that alone is a good sign going into next week. But I guess probably still up in the air, anyways, as to whether or not he plays. And Shannon Sharp was saying that, you, you know, you 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 medicate a, you, you shoot a guy up with some meds, and you'd be surprised who's able to roll out there for a playoff game when uh, is on the line, especially a player of the caliber of Debo Samuel and a player as important to this offense as Debo Samuel, something that Sam has definitely mentioned this year in the Brock Purdy conversation, the importance of the role players around Purdy. And I'm sure that it's something that we'll talk about on the Friday show as well, too, especially as we know more about that Debo Samuel injury, but Purdy in this game, I know the pit, the, the throw to Savage that the interception that Savage dropped is not is not ideal, but the last drive, you know, this was the first game that Shanahan had won down seven, I believe, entering the fourth quarter, like the first real comeback that Shanahan had to make. And I know that with Garoppolo there, I know Garoppolo was clutch. He made game winning drives and, you know, quote unquote comebacks. You know, some of that stuff can be technical with whether or not, you know, when the team is leading and uh, when that when that stuff can be taking place. But I think Purdy in this game really showed that the thing that we like with Jimmy was that clutchness. And Purdy has been able to not only add the ability to create a little bit with his legs and extend plays. And I would say in general as well, too, again, with that savage stuff and with some of the stuff the last couple of weeks, hard to say. But I would say in general, a smarter quarterback than Garoppolo, you're not going to get necessarily those wild throws. Maybe that's even maybe that's even a negative at time too. You could see it a little bit in this Packers game with uh with the way he plays. I would say that's probably the if if you're gonna say, okay, Purdy extending plays is the thing that you get over Garoppolo. Well, what's the thing that Garoppolo has over Purdy? It's the fact that Garoppolo never really like got shook up by stuff. Like Garoppolo would just keep making the same path. Like Garoppolo's gonna keep making the read. And again, that's gonna be the negative with Garoppolo, but Purdy. I will say that it does seem like I, you know, I would say that you, you could phase him, but he looks so good on that last drive that it's hard to even say that that is uh that, it, that, that that's true about his game. I think we were talking about Lions bucks too. We should probably get back to that in a second. We detoured talking about Sutton, but we should, I will, we'll, we'll mention this for the bucks quickly and then we'll finish up on that, on that uh, Packers Niners game. Pause. For the Bucs, I think, you know, they're an elite eight team, one of the eight teams left in the divisional round. And I think, are they just, or at least for this season, were they closer to being a contending team than we thought? Because they, you know, Todd Bulls said it as well, too, going into the game that even though a lot of people counted him out, like you look around the roster and it's a lot of the same guys that were making the playoff runs with Brady. And I know some of them are a little bit older now, a couple of years later. Maybe you think, oh, it's time to start trading guys off for parts. And I know the the Baker thing as well, too. Like the season that he had, I know a, a lot of people weren't necessarily anticipating. And I think if you said, okay, they're going to have a top, if the, if you're going to say quarterback X for the bucket for the Bucks is going to be a top thirteen quarterback this season, top fifteen quarterback for you know this season, then I think you're saying, okay, then that makes sense that they're going to make a deep run. I don't think that we expected that from Baker, but. In terms of guys returning for next season, I mean, just on the defense, you got Vita Vea's under contract still for a couple of seasons. Shaquille Barrett will be on an expiring. You've got Levante David. It looks like he'll be in free agency. And then maybe Devin, Devin White as well, too. KJ Britt, who they were playing a lot more in this playoff game, and I know they were mentioning it on the broadcast, will be under contract as well next year. So I guess if they bring David back, they'll have both of the corners. Winfield is a free agent. So I guess the question is, if the, if does this team want to commit to bringing back Winfield, bringing back David? And if, you know, would they do that because this team would be that kind of competitive team with those guys on the roster? Mike Evans as well, too, is another guy that they'll have to make a decision on. So this will be an interesting team to see if they want to keep this group of guys together. And if they go, hey, we can upgrade that and try to get like a top, 10 quarterback season 
Are we back in that Super Bowl mix? I mean, we saw that the AFC South is, I think, a bunch of couple moves away from being in, you know, playoff contention. I, the, the Bucks are still, you know, they were state in the regular season, they had a about a 500 record. So you could say they're still a middling team as well, too. But I think with the way that defense played this year and the experience that they have, if they want to try to run it back and do a two, three year more thing and see what they want to do at the quarterback position. I don't know if it's bring Baker back on some kind of deal that's team friendly and get some kind of young guy. Maybe it's, I don't know, like, is, is this like a try to bring everybody back and then can we get Kirk Cousins? Like that kind of team? And Kirk Cousins plays with Tristan Wirfs and an offensive line, maybe. That's a little bit better. I know they there's some moments against the Lions. Hutch is going to destroy every offensive line. But it'll be interesting to see what this Bucks team does in the offseason. And the Packers team, uh, not a team that's going to be having to make a lot of contract decisions because most of their guys are you know on the rookie deal. But I guess Jordan Love will be the big one. I think the the sport the spot track value on him right now is forty million. I guess that's that's what you get for that's the Daniel Jones. You win a playoff game, you get forty million dollar a a year deal contract. So if that's the if that's the going price for uh, a Daniel Jones level quarterback, then I think Jordan Love definitely earned that. But you know this was a tough one. But like we were, I think like Sam said, and like Matterport was saying as well too, kind of house money for the Packers. And interesting that they were in this game. You know, the thing is, Jordan Love is a is a veteran for a young guy. Like, you know, he's an older, younger player. He's had time to develop. He's been sitting under Aaron Rodgers. So what what were I wonder, you know, slide in the DMs. What were your expectations for Jordan Love? Like, I know obviously you want to see him make, you know, make those throws in those moments, but is this was this season enough to be like, oh yeah, this guy is the guy that we can build around? I think obviously he's, you know, starting level can be a, a a guy, but is he like a playoff guy for like for you? Cause I think Stroud on the other end, it's like, okay, he's a rookie. And like we were saying, you know, there are some drops. There's some play calls where they didn't go their way. There was like five full start penalties in the first half too. So just constantly behind the sticks in that o- on those drives, constantly just starting, you know, first and 15 all the time. Oh, now all of a sudden we're just in third to 10 because juice Scruggs is drop jumping offside. So, you know, Stroud is a rookie, like we're saying versus Jordan Lovett. 24, you know, comment on comment in the DMS. What are, uh, what your Jordan love expectations were for this season? So I don't know. Do we want to do, I guess, again, we can't really do a, a weekend winners draft. We were doing winners the whole time, but uh, I shout out Kenny Clark for the Packers. I think Kenny Clark is, a, if we're going to do a, a winner for the Packers, we'll do uh Kenny Clark because I think that Packers team, like we said, they did a good job specifically against the run. For the Niners, outside of that one touchdown that McCaffrey had, I think he was under three yards of play, three yards of carry in that one. And uh, on that touchdown, I believe Kenny Clark was out, not in the game on that play. And McCaffrey scored. So who knows if there's a coincidence there. Did we do Did we do winners for Lions-Bucks? Lions winners, obviously Jared Goff. I think Gibbs, as I, Stephen A. had him number three in his A-list for non-QBs going into the... He had him over, I think, Trent Williams. For non-QVs. So big winner for Jameer Gibbs. But I think the way they just kind of were like, okay, we need a drive at the end of the game. We absolutely have to move the ball. Season's on the line. We're giving the ball to Jameer Gibbs. And I think kind of handed him the keys to the offense a little bit the way that they did in the end of that divisional round game. I think he has to be considered a playoff winner. I think Baker's obviously a winner this season for the Bucs. We mentioned just the defense as well, too. I don't know. Is Todd Bulls, the not the no timeout thing at the end, especially, is tough. I know it's a long shot. And if he gets up in the press conference and just says, hey, you know, it's either I didn't know or it was a long shot thing and we just didn't want to deal with it. Who knows what the reaction is? I get that the odds are low, but you got to do whatever. I think you got to do whatever it takes to win a playoff game. You got to call the timeout. You got to extend the game. You, you got to see what happens. You got to cause chaos because if you get chaos and something breaks your way, I mean, I... <laughs> Why, why not at least see if that's a possibility if you're Todd Bolt? So most likely he forgot. And it'd be interesting to just say, like, if a coach just admitted he didn't know, would people be upset? I mean, people would obviously be upset, but if you don't admit it, it's kind of, um, it's like, it, it it feels like you could lose your job versus not. Like, could you could Todd Bull save his job by admitting it? I know that sounds like, kind of like a, that sounds like a, what's the, what's the thing for the, 
the word for the opposites. Oh, that's tough. I feel like normally I'm good with words, like vocabulary stuff, but not this time, unfortunately. I feel like I feel like it kind of contradicts itself by saying that, but I do think uh, I do think it's I do think it could help in this situation. To just be honest, people like when people are honest. So I think you got to take the time out there, and I think Todd Bowles definitely messed that one up. And like we're saying, of all the pieces that they want to run back, we'll see if Todd Bowles is one of them. I know if the Saints are keeping around their guys, then there's a good chance that. The Bucks, their other NFC South, you know, opponent could do the same. I mean, we saw the Panthers, we saw the Falcons are looking for a guy. So who knows if the Bucks join that group? But like I said, we'll be back Friday, previewing divisional round, talking NBA. I think I don't want to, I don't want to promise a guest. I just know, like we said, we got some big announcements and we got some big stuff lined up for you guys that you're wanna, you're just you're gonna want to stay tuned. You're going to want to see what's going on on the Rem and Sam podcast. It, I mean, shout out to you because it's all because of the fans. And uh, we love the love and we love the support. So again, thank you guys for listening to this episode, for staying tuned for all the episodes. For those of you that already follow, for those of you that will follow. And for those of you that will be back next time we do this, Friday, Rem and Sam across all platforms. Stay tuned. And thank you guys so much. <laughs>